When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, it's been a while. It's been a while between kombuchas. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Beautiful, my darling, gorgeous, beautiful friend, Lyndall Hunt, in the Zoom room today. How are you, darling? I'm wonderful, thank you. I'm really good. It's good to be back. It has been a while and I'm really glad to be here again. Mm. Um, Yeah, I'm going great. I'm uh, coming up very close to two years, which is two years sober, which is pretty exciting. That's amazing. I know. How great is that? After that last relapse and then you've just which we'll talk about, I guess, as we go on, but you've just gone deep into your, you know, recovery and it's just been amazing to watch and, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's been a lot that has changed in the last two years compared to what I was doing previously and um, and it pays off, you know. I just... um, I can't complain about my life these days. You know, my life is not perfect, but that's okay because it's not supposed to be. But I just, I don't have any complaints. You know, my it's, my life is pretty, pretty peaceful these days. I still yeah. have moments. I still have my bad days. As stuff comes up, but you know, it just it, do, it doesn't hijack me like it used to. Yeah, and that's the big difference, isn't it, when it doesn't hijack us like it used to. Right. But what, yeah, the reason we're having this chat today is because what we wanted to talk about was, I guess, perhaps post-relapse 
but mm. also just keeping yourself on track and keeping a daily, keeping your own sort of program going, however mm. that looks for you and the importance of following a program, whether it's one that you write yourself mm. or it's one, say, AA or one like mine or Thrivalist one, you know, there's loads of them out there, but sticking to something I think yes. is so important. It's interesting. One of the guys from our current challenge group had done 11 months and he was going really, really well. And then he said, he, cause his part of his program for himself, I guess, was listening to great daily input mm-hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me. And then he stopped the daily input of listening to something great that was keeping him inspired. And then once that stopped, then the negative thinking started or the kind of negotiating started and then he was back drinking again and he pulled himself up quickly. He's joined the challenge and he's going great guns, but it is so important. And I know within myself, if I, it's not very often now, but I'd say back, you know, I don't know, a year ago or so, if I'm not doing my daily practice or my own program that I that I use for myself, it's not that I would go back to drinking or I don't think I would, but it's that my thinking goes pear-shaped. Absolutely. And then when the thinking goes pear-shaped, you're not in control. Again, mm. you're just flying off with your emotions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can really start to notice that now as well. Like I, I can notice, you know, it's even at the point of like if I ever wake up in the morning and go, oh, I can't be bothered to meditate this morning, which doesn't happen because I love meditating. But if I ever feel like that, I know I'm in trouble at that point. Like that, that to me, and I always say, you know, the relapse happens way, way before the relapse starts way before you actually pick up a drink. And for me, that's the point that I'm in trouble when I, when I get, when I'm feeling like, or if I even feel like, oh, I can't be bothered going to a meeting tonight, or, you know, if I ever have that sort of like, I, I feel like I, I'm not, if I ever, you know, I can't, I don't have time to do this or whatever, you know, if I'm finding that I don't have time or I can't be bothered to do this stuff that's really the start of the relapse essentially and you know in in AA we talk about having an emotional relapse and that's that's actually what happens and it happens well before you pick up a drink because exactly as you say you know if you're not doing this stuff if you're not putting this wellness in if you're not working your program every day your thinking starts to go pear-shaped and all of a sudden you know, all of a sudden people are starting to piss you off and all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to get resentments and you're starting to fall into self-pity and you're starting to get angry about stuff and, you know, life becomes prickly. And then when life becomes prickly, you know, it's the, it just snowballs from there. And then, you know, if you don't catch it and you don't bring it back in check, you will, you know, chances are you will pick up a drink and it might not happen straight away. It might take, you know, weeks or months even, but, that, that's where it's going to lead if you if you start to drop off and we've seen it time and time again and the first thing we say to him is how's your program like how's your how's your daily work and and always in every case it's always dropped off they're not it's like your banking you know your wellness bank account you've got to put all this good stuff in so that when the tough time comes along you've got stuff that you can withdraw on you know yeah great analogy it's you ha- you really do have to keep on nourishing that you have to nourish yourself emotionally and spiritually, like you say. So when the tough stuff comes along, which inevitably does, you've got it there on reserve. So tell me, you said that um, when or if you notice when things start to come up, when you start to negotiate with yourself about, no, I can't be bothered or I'm too busy, tell me what do you do when that happens? 
Well, in most cases, it's like, oh, Lyndall, you're in trouble already. <laughs> you just need to get to that meeting or you just need to do that meditation or you just need to do whatever it is that you're resisting because um, I know I know now through my own experience that if I start to let that stuff slip away, mm. then, yeah, ultimately I'm going to pick up a drink again. So I can, I can sort of catch it pretty quickly these days and it's just a matter of like, if I ever feel like I can't be bothered going to a meeting tonight, I make myself go to the meeting, you know. Mm. I just make myself do whatever it is that I'm resisting because, like you say, you know, I'm, I'm, I might miss a meeting today, you know. Today I might say, oh, I can't be bothered going to a meeting and that doesn't mean that I'm going to pick up a drink tonight. But if I keep going with that and I keep letting the, the meeting slip off and I keep letting, you know, the, the thinking go astray, then that's where it's going to lead to. Mm. What is it about that? Cause I, you know, I've never done meetings or anything like that, but what is it about the meeting that keeps you so on track? Mm. The meetings I think have been just such a critical part for me for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because of the community, the fellowship, you know, I think it's just so, so important to have a sober gang around you when you get sober you know people like like-minded people who understand who understand what it's like who understand what you're going through who you can share in front of with no judgment um you know who are going to support you who want to see you be well you know and the great thing is we've got a really beautiful similar community in um how I quit alcohol you know between the challenge groups and the and now the graduates program you know we've got this really beautiful community of people who all care about each other and who all jump in you know somebody will poke we had one of the graduates jump on the Facebook this morning and say she is struggling a little bit and it's just instantly that people just firing off comments and and commenting back at her and saying give me a call like let's talk about it and you know putting giving her all these messages of love and support and encouragement so that that for me, I get that um, as well from the AA fellowship, but also from the from the actual meetings, I get reminded of exactly like you said before. You know, you're talking to somebody and she's reminded you of something that you know Michael Singer said that's really helped you, and and that reminds you that you need to look differently at this certain situation with your daughter. You know, and that's what I get from the from the meetings as well. People share on stuff, they share their experience, you know, their experience, strength, and hope, and I sit there and I listen to other people. And it helps me to continually learn and continually be reminded of what I need to do, the work that I need to do on a daily basis in order to keep sober. So, you know, and also we have like brand new, uh, we have newcomers come into our meetings all the time. Um, we often at my home group meeting, we have the rehab, one of the rehabs uh, come every week. And um, those newcomers are just as important too. And in fact, we often say that the newcomer is the most important person in the room because you see these people come into rehab, they're really broken, they're, you know, a few days or a few weeks sober, they're, they're, you know, they're just, they're hurting. You can just see the, the, the emotional pain that they're sitting in. And that reminds me, you know, that reminds me of what it was like too. And I always need to be reminded of what it was like. It's such a great reminder. Same as like when we start a challenge and yeah. everyone sort of shares a little bit at the start if they want to. And even for me listening, I'm just like, yes. And I guess every time I do a coaching call with someone, I'm like, yes, you know, I remember and I can Definitely. completely understand. It doesn't really matter the situation. Even though I wasn't a daily drinker, I can still relate to those feelings of shame and anxiety and, and all those things I don't Definitely. want. So, okay. So one thing I know, so you, 
you're deeply into the 12 step and you know that's not what I've used Um, but however I do think it's a a beautiful program I think it's fantastic for people it's free it's this amazing community of people it's helped so many people it's amazing so if you're ever thinking as well I can't afford to do a program or the how I quit alcohol thing give the AA a go like I know a lot of people feel like there's a stigma around it but Mm -hmm. I think let that idea go and just let that go and leave your judgments at the door and just be open-minded with an open heart and just think these people are there to help you and I think it's fantastic but what I wanted to talk about as well is so so um, okay I'm imagining some people listening to this going oh fuck that sounds like a whole lot of fucking (laughs) I don't want to have fucking meetings every day it's making my bum go a bit tight (laughs) but I, I get it and I respect it so completely but I know look for me like I guess you'd call a gray area drinker mm-hmm. um and for for my group we still made our own program like Ash and I made our own program we had no idea we were just like I'd read some books I wanted to change my mindset I knew that would help me with my drinking and so I mean it's very well documented what we did so I don't really mm-hmm. need to go into it but I guess we started our own program and mm-hmm. we stuck to it you mm-hmm. know through that year and and then added more Right. You know, and then some. So this sort of 10 minute, half an hour kind of program, I guess, daily program we'd made for ourselves has turned into it's a two hour thing for me mm. and um pretty much of a daily practice. And Sam Brown and I talked about the importance of routine a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, but you can make your own as well. I yeah. think the important thing is though is trying to grab a buddy or have some kind of support system because that makes all the difference very hard to do this stuff alone and like you say and that's one of the beautiful things totally about your community so tell me what do you because I know what I think but yeah. what's what's your take on on bringing your program however that program looks for you mm-hmm. into your daily life mm. yeah well that's the most important thing isn't it is that it's got to be um it's got to be a part of your daily life and I wanted to if I can just really quickly um talk about the 12th step in AA and you know I I talk about AA a lot obviously because it is my primary program but I mean this sort of stuff exactly can be um applied to any program whether you make your own program like you and Ash did and I think you and Ash are a little bit of an anomaly to be honest to to not only not only to I think probably there's a lot of people that might think about creating their own sort of program but you've done it and you've stuck to it I think that's probably really the anomaly but whether it's how I quit alcohol whether it's AA or whether it's like you said thrivalist or whether it's you making your own program when I'm talking about um when I'm sharing this stuff I think it can be applied to any of it um But the 12th step says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And if I could just take a couple of minutes, I wanted to break all this down because I know that sounds all a a bit (laughs) woohoo. And especially that first part where it says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Now, when I first um, went into AA, I didn't consider myself religious or spiritual in any way. Um, I was uh, really, I would have probably said at the time, allergic to the word God. <laughs> and, um, I can I can back that one up because yeah. I remember even when we were teenagers and I remember I went through a churchy phase and your <laughs> mouth used to screw up and go, oh, don't, you know, and you'd be like, I'm not interested, Danny, I'm just not interested. <laughs> totally, totally. Right. 
And Scotty, I'm, I'm, I not, pray, I'm not I pray every day now and I use God on a regular the term God on a regular basis. So how things have changed, huh? Anyway, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. So when I when I was earlier on in in the program, you know, this this term spiritual awakening, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. Like, you know, this is just airy fairy bullshit. Like, you know, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Anyway, it actually, in the AA Big Book, which is the main text that we use, um, it actually addresses it. There's one of the appendices that addresses the spiritual awakening, and it says in here, um, it describes it as a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. So personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. It then says further down the page. Personal, a personality change. Yeah. Wow. So then says further down the page, a profound alteration in his reaction to life, his or her, of course, a profound alteration to his reaction in life, to life. So his, her, his, her or them. His, her or them. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah. This book was written in the 1930s and so the language is very um, outdated, but I actually think that's one of the great um the great sort of paradoxes, if you like, because this is a lot of people's challenges to get over how this, you know, to remove judgment and get over how this book is written and just take it on. I actually think Mm. that's one of our biggest challenges. Anyway, Mm. a profound alteration to in their reaction to life. (laughs) Um, So what that means to me and what, um, what had the way my sponsor described it to me when I was early on is that I need to I need to really change the way that I think I need to change my attitude towards life I need to change my attitude towards myself I need to change my attitude towards those people around me I need to change my whole way of thinking and I loved what you said Danny the other night in one of our calls with the challenge group where you said you were talking about your own recovery and the work that you were doing in the you know the creating your program in the early days and you recognized that you needed to change your thoughts and once you started to change your thoughts you changed your life which of course is a you know great one dive quote change your thoughts change your life but Mm -hmm. this is what it tells me to do I need to think very differently to how I used to think you know I can't have those same ways of thinking I can't have those same thought patterns I can't have those same those same negative you know loops like I, I, I really need to have a fundamental change in the way that I think in the way that I view myself and and view my life and everything around it so that's that's really powerful. Sorry, just kicked off there, but it is there's so much power in that of, of actually saying, right, I've got to cut the bullshit. I'm right. cutting the bullshit and I need to work on this because this way of thinking has not got me anywhere. It's got me in these negative loops. It's got me full of anxiety, full of insomnia, full of fucking blackout drinking or daily drinking in your case. You know, it hasn't got us anywhere. So we've got to change. Exactly. Something. I remember a friend of ours once got cancer and he said, well, I figure everything's got me to this point in my life so far. So I'm going to switch everything and turn it all on its head and do everything completely different. Right. Still alive and well. Yep. <laughs> alive. Yeah, and there well. you go. No. Beautiful. Mm. And we always say in the, we often say in the program too, you know, whatever, when, when you're faced with a, you know, something, something comes up, whatever your normal, whatever your first reaction is, just pause and then do the opposite. Because whatever you've been doing mm. up until now, 
hasn't worked out very well for you. <laughs> but however you've been thinking, like your line of thinking hasn't worked out very well for you. So this is the time to change. This is the time to radically change the way that you think and the and the way that you react and respond. Yeah. So that's the first part of this 12-step, right, having spiritual awakening or really radically changing um, the way that I think. Then it says we we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. So that that to me is about doing service and, and helping other people. And whether it's alcoholics or whether it's grey area drinkers or binge drinkers or, you know, anyone that has a problem with drinking, carrying this message. So we we always say in AA that you've got to give it away in order to keep it, meaning that I need to go, you know, there's a lot of people that have helped me in, in my journey so far and I've I've got to carry that message forward and help other, I'm going to use the term alcoholics, but whether you're a binge drinker or whether you're a grey area drinker or whatever, you know, carry that message to other people who struggle with alcohol. And I do that, um, you know, I do that through service because I sponsor other women. I go to the prison now. I'm on the prison roster, so I go out to the prison and and run. We run AA meetings inside the prison, but service work um, and helping other other um, people who struggle from alcohol is power in this. Helping other alcoholics or or people who struggle with alcohol is that we exactly like we said before. I'm constantly reminded. So when I take on a sponsee, or even when we're in the you know, working with the people in the How I Quit Alcohol Challenge, when they come to to us with a problem, you know, or they say they're struggling with something or whatever, and and we're, you know, giving them advice or we're sharing our experience on what we've done, it's that constant reminder. It's reminding me all of the time of the work that I've got to do too, you know, because you do forget. You tend to forget and that's not Mm -hmm. like... You know, even if you have a program every day, if you're not if you're not passing that on and carrying it forward, you know, it's very easy to forget what you've got to do. So that's where I think that power is in in helping other people. The other the other part of the power in that is also that it gets me out of my own head, which I think is so so important as well. You know, when I spend when I spend a lot of time thinking about Lyndall, that's when shit goes pear shaped. You know, all of a sudden I start to identify these problems in my life and oh this person's pissing me off and oh god you know my house is taking too long to be built and poor me I've got to pay a mortgage at plus rent and you know I start like I start identifying these problems and I and um you know stuff comes up and then that when I get into that then I start to fall into resentment and I you know falling into self-pity and when when I'm going down that track track again like we said before that's when life starts to get prickly that's when I start to feel mm. irritable all the time. That's when I'm starting to get angry on the road because people are driving too slow or I'm getting pissed off because someone in the line at the supermarket's taking too long or, you know, <laughs> I just I start to get prickly. But yeah. when I'm not thinking about Lyndall, when I'm getting out of my head and I'm helping other people and I'm not thinking about Lyndall, life all of a sudden is actually just cool, you know, it's mm. peaceful. Mm-hmm. So... I think that, that there, there's power in that character. You know, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics because when I'm when I'm focusing a lot of my time on helping other people, I'm not thinking about Lyndall. And that's what I've got to do. I've got to get the fuck over myself and stop thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then the last part of this 12 step is to practice these principles in all our affairs, which I guess is really the key of what we want to talk about today. Like, 
this is the 12 step program and also the you know the six week how i quit alcohol challenge and any other any other program or or whatever you do is not just a run and done like you know check the boxes get a certificate at the end and yeah well who you got a certificate for in sobriety it doesn't work like that <laughs> you know this is stuff that needs to be practiced in uh, you know practice these principles in all my affairs so and it, and it, in all of my affairs, so not just drinking, you know, like I don't use the the tools that I've learned in the program or in the How I Quit Alcohol Challenge. I don't use them just to combat my drinking. I use them in my everyday life. I use them to deal with life so that I don't get to that point of prickliness and I don't get to that point of emotional unmanageability. So, you know, this is this is stuff that I've got to practice every single day. Um, and I'll give you, uh, you know, I guess a good example of where I've been able to put this stuff into practice. So a little while ago, I was having, um, I was having, a, I was getting really frustrated with a girl that I worked with. I felt like she was um, being a bit snappy towards me, and I felt like she was being a bit rude sometimes. And I was just getting really pissed off with her and it was making it really uncomfortable for us to work together. And you could just tell that there was tension between us and all of that sort of stuff. And so I'm getting pissed off. Like I'm, and then I'm starting to, you know, like be snappy to her as well. And I got, I had to practice what I get taught in the program, you know, practice um, forgiveness and compassion and kindness and acceptance and understanding and all this sort of thing. So I got to a point where I was like, Lyndall, you, you know, you can't, um, you need to change your attitude towards this. You need, you need to change something here. So I realized that I needed to just send, I thought about what would Wayne Dyer tell me to do in this situation? <laughs> and he would tell me. I just, love that. What would Wayne say? Oh, would Wayne well, do? I guess it all the time. Yeah. Um, he would tell me to send her all the love, all the love and happiness in the world that I wanted for myself, send, send it to her more. And so I did that. I started to just come at, come at her from a place of love and kindness and just, you know, understand. and also, you know, I don't know if there's anything going on in her life that could be, you know, like troubling for her and, you know, I don't, I don't know all of that. So just practising some acceptance and um and some tolerance and you know what as soon as I did that as soon as I did as soon as I changed my attitude we've been getting along like swimmingly well since you know we have a great relationship since I actually really like enjoy going into work and and chatting to her throughout the day but uh, and that's all because I changed my attitude Mm. so if you weren't doing your program or your daily routine or your practice how would you have responded? Do you think how would it have been differently for you? Oh, like, well, I would have just kept getting more and more shitty at her and it would have got to the point where I'd be, you know, saying to my boss, I don't want to work with her anymore. Um, You know, I probably would have been making it difficult for her, like not unhelpful, not wanting to help her, not wanting to, you know, and I'm her leader too, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I would have just, I would have, it would have, made things difficult for her not in not intentionally but that's what would have happened just through me being unhelpful and and mm. and yeah yeah and I guess it's that kind of thing of recognizing what it is you're telling yourself about the situation and asking yourself like the Byron Katie is it true and how do I act when I believe that to be true and then how am I 
or who am I when I let go of the thought that that's true and it makes such a big difference. So all these things that you're learning about yourself, they're no good learning them if we're not putting them into practice. And so the way to keep them at the forefront of your mind is to be doing them each and every day, every day. You keep doing the same thing. Routine is so important. Mm-hmm. And it's and when there's positive stuff going in all the time, you can't not change. It's like doing daily affirmations, and you you know, like saying if you t- if you're continuously telling yourself throughout the day, I am successful, I'm important, I am I'm committed to this, I am I'm happy, you know, all these things. Mm. It's impossible to. There's no space for that negative negativity to come in. Right. And that's what I did. That was my program, I guess, was I wasn't letting the negativity in. And it's just like we're saying, if we're not doing our daily practice, <laughs> we're not doing our program, if we're not doing our steps to get us through each day and each evening, then our thinking goes askew and then shit starts to fall apart. And like you say, you know, I'll repeat it again. Every single time someone comes to me and says, I've started mm-hmm. drinking again. The first question I ask is, how's your daily practice? Oh, it's not. Yeah. I haven't. I stopped weeks ago. Every single time. So, 100%. It's the same in the AA program. You know, people that fall off and go and drink again, they're the ones that have stopped calling their sponsor, stopped doing the work, stopped coming to meetings. And I say that through my very own experience, you know. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened with me too. So, again, it doesn't matter what sort of program you're doing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it's, it's the same as with the how I quit. You know, if people aren't engaging in the daily action steps or not showing up to the Zoom calls or not engaging, I can pretty much, I know what's, I can pretty much guarantee what's happened. Most exactly. of the time. And the grads group as well, you know, those that are really involved and, and show up to the meetings and not to say, like, not everyone does and there's still successful people in there, but, you know, doing the book club, you know, turning up to that, you know, even turning up to the book club chat if they haven't done the, even read the bloody yeah. book. It, there's so much um, connection. and Absolutely. I heard in the, when I went to the prison this week, one of the prisoners actually gave a really good analogy of his analogy of recovery. He said, it's like, you know, you've got this river that's like flowing really heavily down, you know, in one direction. This river is all of your, you know, your thoughts and your behaviours that you've you've built up over the years and, and your addiction and all that sort of stuff. It's like this massive big river running in one direction. And he said, and then when you're trying to get into recovery, it's like trying to um, redirect the water to go in a different direction and he said you know it might start off as a little tiny little creek like off that river you know and because of all of this because of all of these years and this effort that you've put into all of your addiction and your behaviors and your thoughts you know it's all a lot of the water is still going to keep going down the river or still keep wanting to go down the river and you've got to really put in the effort to try and get redirected to go down this little creek, and that creek will get bigger over time. You know that creek will become your river over time, but it's got to you've got to take this work. You've got to really put in the thought, the work, and the actions and the behaviours to get that creek. You know to build that creek up. It reminded me of what Ben Schiller said, um, your friend Ben. A while ago, you know, that that old, because when you had asked why do um, people relapse after, you know, many, many years, and it's the thing is that old river never actually goes away, you know, that old running track or that old river never goes away. So that's why it's got to be continual work. Like you've got to keep working on this stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great analogy. I love that. Okay, so we've got the tools. We've got our, you know, ways of perhaps becoming more consciously aware of our thoughts and being able to kind of see them for what they are and not get so involved in them. That's one thing that I teach in the How I Quit Alcohol program. But then it's like if I'm triggered, if I'm feeling really shit, you know, I've got to draw on that stuff and so say to people, you know, draw on that stuff. But I got this great message today I wanted to read out because I did this post today on the Instagram and I just wrote, if it's important to you, don't let any motherfucker sway you yeah. because it's grand final today yeah. in Melbourne. And yeah. I know that can be super triggering for some people and some people that are like, you know, I, I want this, but then get me around my family and my friends and I'm gone, you know, yeah. so it's really I, uh, the post was about remembering your why and you know putting your positive steps in action but I got this great message from I know just before you read that message like I would say it's important like don't let any motherfucker sway you specifically yourself uh, yes. <laughs> I would add to that yeah. <laughs> like most importantly yourself don't let yourself sway you <laughs> that's so true Lyndall but anyway this lady Prue sent me this message she just said thanks for your post I had the biggest wobbles yesterday on day 101. I was seriously convinced I was going to have a couple on grand final day. After stressing all day and feeling really emotional, I decided to just see how I felt tomorrow. I did a meditation last night on the equinox and watched the sunrise and thanked every cell in my bone for not drinking. And I feel stronger for the experience close call as it was. Mm. Isn't that amazing? So she actually put the stuff in action yeah and and you know I mean how I mean it's just so beautiful I read that I was just so stoked for her I don't even know where I'm just like yeah 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 yeah. yay (laughs) you didn't pick up a drink (laughs) yeah but also I think that that you know like tying back to what I said before about like getting out of your own head getting over yourself you know we we just you know I just when she was reading that and I was so anxious all day and I was thinking about having a drink and I was worried I was gonna you know like you're spending too much time in your head, you know. Um, well, that's when I would say this is from the the Gabor work, I guess, is, you know, go back to the body, like out of the head, back yeah. to the body, back yeah. to the breath, back to what can I see, what can I hear, what, you know, yeah. all the mindfulness practices, which do, it does get you out of your head. And then, you know, like you say, go and be of service or go mm-hmm. do something that makes you feel good. But you don't have to go with it. Just because you're having the thought, you don't have to go there with it. Yeah. You know, and this is why, again, <laughs> having a program or a practice, something to draw on that's really fulfilling, which is really challenges you yeah. and makes you look at yourself differently, challenges your thoughts, challenges your personality, which your personality is just a coping mechanism that we've built mm-hmm. up over years and years. And so that was interesting too, where you said you've got to, you know, change your personality well, really, that's changing your coping mechanisms. Mm. Well, you know? yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly, because the drinking is just a coping mechanism as well, isn't it? You know, it's a like you always say, it's a it's a solution. It's a um, you're trying to soothe something. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's amazing. And so, when you last relapsed, and I know we sort of covered this in that last call you did, but really, we can look back at it as a as a real blessing and a real teaching mm-hmm. moment where you really did learn that if I, if, you know, if I'm not applying this stuff in my life every day, then it's, it's not going to work. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Yeah, look, I, I, and I would have said this last time when we when we spoke about it afterwards, but I really, I realised that I just had to really change the way that I thought about it. You know, leading up to that relapse, I kept, you know, in my head, I was always like, oh my God, sobriety's fucking hard. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get it. And I feel like shit all the time and da, 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 da. And I realised that if I kept thinking that way, that was what I was going to keep getting. And I needed to change I needed to change my thoughts in order to change my life, you know, like I needed to start thinking that sobriety is simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple, right? In AA, it's it's as simple as getting a good sponsor, doing the step work, you know, going to meetings, like just doing the stuff. In the How I Could Alcohol Challenge, it's similar, you know, it's showing up to the meetings, um, working with, you know, work, like getting involved in the group, doing all of the suggested things. Feeling your emotions and then just don't fucking drink. Just don't fucking drink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's simple. It's just a matter of like digging in and doing the work. And I, and and honestly, I think that that mindset shift is what is was the most. Um, that that was key. You know, I had to do that first. Then, of course, I had to really actually follow up and dig in and do the work and actually do the stuff which I have done. But that mindset shift was the first thing that really needed to change because, yeah, like I say, if I kept thinking that sobriety was fucking hard and I didn't know if I was ever going to get it, well, you know, I probably wasn't. And, and you know, we see it a lot with different people that come through the challenge groups where they're still battling with that, oh, I don't know if I'm going to drink or not. Oh, you know, I you hear it a lot where people are saying, oh, I need to do this for my husband because, you know, or I need to do this for my kids or I need to do that, you know, like you can't do this stuff for anybody else. You've got to, if you don't, if you don't get to that um, point of surrender, if you don't get to that point of uh, accepting that you can't drink, I don't want to use the word safely because in my opinion, there's no safe drinking, but for lack of a better word, if you can't drink safely, like if you can't control how much you drink when you drink and you can't control your behaviour um, and you don't get to that point of surrender and accepting that, then it's likely that nothing's going to change because if you're still grappling with that, oh, I think I can moderate or I think I would be all right to have a drink every now and then or, you know, I think it'll be I'll be able to control it. If you're still grappling with that, then yeah, nothing's going to change after. There's got to be a point of surrender, a point of acceptance where you just accept the fact that I can't do this anymore. I can't moderate. I can't have alcohol. Like I can't drink safely, you know, that I can't control my behaviour when I drink and I can't control how much I drink and and therefore I need to, need to you know, change. Everything's got to change after this point. And when something's been such a big part of your life, like Lissy Turner says, when you take something as huge as alcohol out, if it's been a big part of your life, like with us, we started drinking at 13 mm. and it was everywhere in our country towns, what we did. And that's just what we did for decades. It was so huge. And then for you, where it became a daily habit, like actually daily drinking, that's massive. That's a huge part of your life. And so, yeah, Lissy says, if you take out something as huge as alcohol, you have to replace it with something equally as huge. Yeah. And that needs to be an amazing program. Like and for her, that's her, her yoga practice mm-hmm. and her yoga is huge for mm-hmm. her. Um, and that's what keeps her straight. That's what keeps her on the straight and narrow as well. So you have to replace it. You yeah. have to be drastic 
I really do believe that you can't be yeah. half-assed. If you want to really change something and remove something so huge, it's also that change in your identity. Like mm. Lyndall, you know, you've always been like just known as the big drinker. Lyndall, right. you know, fuck, you know, you go and visit Lyndall in New York, you know you're going to get fucked up for two weeks. Right, <laughs> exactly. No so one else to drink with, give Lyndall a call. She'll have a drink with you. 100%. Yeah, right. yeah. And, of course, not knowing the suffering that you're actually going through. But, you know, it's such a massive, massive change in personality and your identity. So I guess just like Lucy says, it's a huge, huge thing to take out when it's all that. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And it's scary as shit. Mm. It's scary. I was terrified to get sober because I didn't know, I didn't know how to live life without booze and I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my, you know, what my identity was. I didn't know what my role within my friendship groups was anymore. It's scary as fucking shit. And I understand, like, I understand why people, so many people go back to drinking and just keep drinking because it's, um, you know, it's safe and it's comfortable because it's familiar. You know, it, it is scary. It's um it's a big change and 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 again, you know, uh, you know, your subconscious is a familiarity seeking machine, right? It always wants to do what's familiar. It doesn't understand the difference between right or wrong. So you've, your subconscious is telling you to keep drinking because that's what it knows is familiar. Even if it's mm. destroying your life, your subconscious doesn't understand that. It's mm. just like, just drink. That's what you know. You know, that's familiar. Mm. So mm. again, you know, rewiring that subconscious, getting your subconscious to a point of understanding that you want to do something different, that takes a lot of work as well, which is why we always bang on about doing this work you know and having a program and doing you know this is why you've got to put it into your everyday life it gives you that strength doesn't it It gives you that strength to be able to face those big changes I love what you said about your role in the friendship groups Mm. Mm. that's a really interesting perspective too because I think a lot of us feel that like okay where does that leave me in terms Mm. of my my gang yeah and that's scary too that's scary as shit. All of a sudden you think, and we all go, you know, we nearly all go through this. We hear it so often with people in the challenge groups where they go, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to lose friends or I'm worried that I won't be able to go out, I won't be able to have fun, I won't be able to socialise anymore because we've never given ourselves the opportunity to socialise without the booze and to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. I loved um, <clears throat> quite a while ago on your, on your podcast you had um Bianca Ismailovsky, and she said during her episode of the podcast, she said, I never learned how to have fun without alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so many of us don't. We don't. I certainly didn't. I never mm. gave myself an opportunity to learn what fun meant to me without the booze. Like I just, so when you take, when when booze and fun are, are intertwined as they were for me, even though it wasn't fun in the end, but I still had this attachment, you know, I still ha- had booze and, and fun attached together. Um, but when you when you take the booze away then and you take fun away, well, you think that you're going to take fun away, you actually don't. But, you, you know, when you're at that point of thinking about getting sober and you think that you're not going to be able to have fun anymore, that's fucking scary as shit too. Mm. You know, like no one wants to go through the rest of their life not having fun. Like that's huge. And it yeah. was huge for me. It kept me drinking probably for a decade longer than I, you know, wanted to because I was so terrified that I wouldn't be able to have fun without the booze. 
And let's face it, how fun is it? I mean, I've said this before, but how fun is it to wake up the next day hating yourself and anxiety or having to smuggle drinks into work every day because you've got the fucking shakes? I mean, there's no fun in that. No. Is there? And I reckon this fun is sometimes it's about changing your state too. Like I was coaching with someone the other day, we were talking about that not having to be so heavy all the time. Like if you are feeling a bit kind of bored and, and ho-hamish about things, Chuck some music on, mm. put some music mm. on, change your state, have a dance. I could dance like a crazy bitch. You know, it doesn't, really? you're like, who gives a shit? You know, push your boundaries, do something different, like go do something exciting. You know, I don't care what it is. Just do something different, push your boundaries, but just choose to change your state. I'm actually choosing to get myself out of this funk right yeah. now. And I hate to be all Tony Robbins about it, but I do think you choose the state in which you want to be in because you can change it. You really can change it. So 100%. put some music on. I say put John Farnham Full House on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100% and grab a hairbrush and dance around the lounge room like you're 15 yeah, again. Yeah, I love it. You know, totally. when I don't want to do I, the house cleaning, that's exactly what I put Farnsy on. Totally. <laughs> totally. You, you've said it before. You say it often actually about tapping into your joy, you know, what brought you joy as a child. Mm. And, um, you know, that that is things like, you know, playing music loud and dancing and, and you know, laughing at yourself, being a bit silly and laughing at yourself. And mm-hmm. and even things like if you're, when you're a kid, if you enjoyed things like, I don't know, horse riding or, you know, doing yeah. artwork or do or playing music or, you know, whatever it was, have a go at those things, you know. We've got, mm. uh, we've got quite a few of our uh, graduates who are getting right into the paint by numbers at the moment. That's I know. Really cool because... They're doing some really cool paintings and it's, you know, it's fun and it it gives you, it's a very mindful practice doing anything creative like that is very mindful practices. And it also gives you a really good sense of achievement once you've finished a project. Mm. And I think that, I think that's really important for, for building on that, that self-acceptance and the self-love, you know, if you can feel good about something that you've done, I think yeah. that that's really, yeah, really important. Absolutely. I've just organising, well, I'm in the process of organising. One of my neighbours is, she's a dance instructor. Mm-hmm. And so for an 80s dance group up in the uh-huh. Shire called <laughs> the Cassettes. So I've said to her, <laughs> would she do, awesome. yeah, they're, they're very, they're awesome fun. And I said, because I can't commit to doing a whole term of that, just too busy with work and things. But I really love to do that. And I'd love to do that within my community. There's some you know, great other chicks and guys that live around here. So we're organising to do just a couple of one-offs, just an 80s dance thing, you know, just for fun, no booze, and just get together and have a bit of a dance. That would be fucking hilarious fun, you know, get dressed up, whatever, and just, you know, have fun in different ways. So Definitely. But I think tying back to what, you you know, Lissy said about filling that void and filling it with something big, I, I really agree with that too. I think you've just... You know, if you take the booze out and if, uh, you know, for a lot of us, we spend a lot of our days drinking and or thinking about drinking, right? I mean, for me, it was, well, I was drinking all throughout the day, but even if you don't count the drinking at work, like by the end of the work day, so from 5.36 o'clock through to normally midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I'd be going to bed. There's a good solid six or seven hours of drinking like every single freaking day. That's a lot of my time that's tied up with that one activity. So, yeah, when you take that out, even if it's like only two or three nights a week, there's still two or three nights a week that 
you know, you've got space there and you've got time. And if you don't fill that void with something drastic, like if you don't really take on some kind of hobby or some kind of new interest or something to something that brings you joy and that, you know, you can really sink your teeth into, it's very easy to get bored. And obviously boredom's a, a, a real trigger to pick up the drink as well. It's very easy to slip back into those old routines if you haven't got something, a new interest in there to take its place. Can I say how brave you are as well to go from such full-on drinking to also having all those fears that you had, but also that fear of the physical withdrawals that you were facing, like having to actually go into hospital and get on drips and stuff to be able to get this shit out of your system and to do the work that you've done on yourself. You are so brave and the emotional work you've done on yourself and facing a lot of those emotional demons that you had and it's just it's such an inspiration and I think you are an absolute lioness, warrior, goddess woman. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Danny. That's that's really beautiful. But you know what? I, I just I don't I just think I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones, you know. Not everyone gets to get sober. Mm. I need to work this and I need to hang on to this shit for life because my life does depend on it, you know. My my life actually literally literally depends on my sobriety. If I went back to drinking the way that I did, you know, it's only a matter of time before it'll kill me. You can't you can't sustain that, you know, and it might be years, but it doesn't matter. It will it will kill me in the end and whether that's whether that's through, you know, just drinking myself to to death and my body packing up or whether it's taking my own life because I'm in such a bad place or whether it's you know having some kind of accident because I was chronically drink driving as well when I was um drinking you know either way one of those ways the the booze would Mm. take me and so my life literally depends on this stuff but having said that you know it's not a chore at all I find this is just such a I love my life now you know and I and and I I feel so blessed um you know, I work with you on in how I quit alcohol. Like I work alongside you with running the challenges, but also running the graduates group. And I, I just, I count my lucky stars. Like I think, how lucky am I that I get to come to work and mm. help other people? Mm-hmm. Like how, how lucky is that? You know, like I want to. My life has has changed wildly since I got sober for all for the best and I want to shout this fucking shit from the rooftops like I want every single person on the planet even if they're not problematic drinkers I want everyone to kick the booze and realize how fucking good life is when you're sober so if I can carry that message and help even one person get this you know and feel as good as I do I mean man how fucking lucky am I yeah, I agree. I feel exactly the same way. It's like <laughs> it's so much better on the other side. I'm I know, you. but if you had tried to tell me that when I was drinking, I would have told you to fuck off. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I would have been like, that's just what sober people tell themselves to make themselves feel better because they can't drink. Because they're boring. Because <laughs> they're boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. People, so many people just cannot break out of that that cycle. So not everyone gets to do it. So fucking hang on to it. Yeah, it's so important. It's so precious. Your sobriety is so precious and it's worth holding on to and protecting, protecting it fiercely. And I I just in closing too, I just think it's so important to realise that there's a difference between sobriety and actually like thriving Mm. in your sobriety. Mm. And that thriving part comes from 
working a good program, having a daily practice, you know, changing yourself on a fundamental level, working, like challenging yourself, pulling yourself apart, get a therapist, work on your shit. You know, we don't even realize this stuff we're carrying around until we start to look at it. And we can then start to dissect it and start healing. Gabor says, you know, there's a difference, very big difference between stopping pain. And often when we're like in addiction or in serious substance abuse, we are trying to avoid discomfort or pain. Mm. And it's the kind of running away from that, the avoidance of us that leads to more suffering, right? right? But we're so conditioned with modern medicine and with just the way our life is that we just feel pain. And we take a pill to stop totally. the pain, but we don't heal. We don't, and there's a difference between healing and stopping the pain. And if we've got wounds there, if we were to just take a pill to stop the pain and just keep going about our business, that wound's going to get bigger and bigger. It's not actually going to mm-hmm. heal, making it a bigger wound because we're not actually tending to it and nurturing it, but just healing it. So there's a big difference between stopping pain and healing your wounds, right? And so there's also a big difference in just stopping booze or actually addressing the underlying stuff and working on yourself, really working on yourself on a big, deep level. And, I mean, that's our birthright. We should be connected to ourselves. Mm. We are the most important person in our own life and we should be connected to ourselves and we're so disconnected from alcohol, from multitasking, from the freaking iPhones, from all the different distractions in life. We are so distracted and disconnected from ourselves and our own feelings. We don't even know what the fuck we're feeling anymore. Yeah. So to get rid of it all and go back to basics, go back to your, your home, your home, you know, go back to your heart and sit with your feelings and learn to feel those feelings learn to hold them that's what healing addiction is it's learning to hold our pain and know that it's not going to last forever that pain will not it doesn't matter what it is it will not last forever it will always get better or change or you'll learn something from it but it will change so know that if you're in pain emotionally it's endurable and it's not going to last forever and you can you know change yourself work on yourself but so important to keep doing the work, keep on top of it, keep doing the stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. And we talk about it in the in AA all the time that it, you know there are people who do just literally put down the drink and don't do any work on themselves. And we refer to those people as a dry drunk. You know, like it's mm. yeah, you might not be drinking, but the thinking is still the same. And the and the you know the it's you haven't done any mm. work there and. Um, in fact, one of the guys who's in my home group, he talks about his father was a dry drunk for 23 years, like gave up the drinking, but never. He did go to AA for a little bit, but didn't um, stick it out and didn't do it. And and this member, you know, talks about his dad was a dry drunk for 23 years and he says he was a fucking horrible man. He was mean, you know, because and he never did any, any work on himself and, and he was angry, you know, like he just stayed angry and resentful for the rest of his life. You know, and that's no way, that's no way to be, you know, like I was like that when I was drinking, I was angry, I was resentful, I lived in self-pity, I was fearful. I don't, I didn't get, I didn't go through all this work to get sober to still live like that, (laughs) you know? Yes. 
I don't want to I don't want to get sober and and still you know like I've got sober to get well I want to be well and I want to be happy and I want to enjoy life and I want to you know and which is what I'm doing but exactly as you say like it takes work totally I can tell you because people listening except for some of our friends you know I've known you most of our lives and your whole being has changed Mm. everything about you is different you know all those protective coping mechanisms that were there are gone Mm. and it's just like this marshmallow just a ball of yumminess that I just want to squish onto all the time (laughs) cries heaps And I know we've talked about this on the podcast, but it always blows me away in your gentleness and the way you are with people and you're not, you, there's no judgment there. It's just incredible. Like people, we can change. We can. We can change because you were pretty icy before Mm. and it was just a coping mechanism. It was a coping strategy. It kept you safe. Mm -hmm. Same as the alcohol for a certain time. It kept you in, you know, safe, not having to feel. And now that's gone and that that's, you know, the guard is gone. And we can change. We can, but I, yeah, and thank you. Thank you again. That's really beautiful words. But, you know, I'd say the same about you. I mean, you, you've you completely changed too. It's been incredible to watch, you know. It's just. It's... You mean it wasn't always this awesome? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were awesome, but like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's so beautiful to see how you've just really dived into all of your own stuff and worked on some healing and then and taken on all of this and 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 you're carrying this message now, you know, through the podcast and through the challenge groups and um yeah, it's incredible. It's been really beautiful to watch you too. And and you're exactly right. Like we can change. We can all change. It doesn't matter if you've been a chronic alcoholic all your life. And you've grown up in that environment too, you know, like because we're conditioned obviously by the, you know, how we grow up, our environments when we grow up as well. You know, it doesn't matter how you've grown up and what you've been doing all your life. I don't care if you're like, you know, 85 years old and being a chronic alcoholic all your life. You can change. Everybody can change. Everybody can change this stuff, but it it mm-hmm. takes work. It takes the concerted efforts. Like Nicole LaPera says, you need to be an active participant in your own recovery. Yeah, I love her. She's brilliant. I love her book. Yeah, Yeah. I wonder if they want another person in their relationship. I wonder if I could slide in. (laughs) Quadruple. (laughs) I should be very upset, although I don't know if he would actually. (laughs) They're all pretty hot. (laughs) They are all pretty hot. Um, That's so funny. But you you do, like, you've got to... You've got to work at this, and I, I just I see it all the time, people who drop off, uh, and I always get a little bit concerned when I, um, like I, I went on a date with a guy quite a few years ago, and he's an alcoholic, and he'd been sober for about two years when I went on a date with him. Um, but And we only ever went on one date because he was just, like, too hectic in his own head, and, and he doesn't have a, he didn't have a program. You know, and I was, I remember at the time thinking, oh, I just, I don't know about this. And and again, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a program. He picked up drinking again, I don't know, it was a year or two there after you go. on the date with him. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, yeah, when I see people that, that, you know, trying to get sober and they just don't have some kind of program, 
I just get concerned. It's like, how long is this going to last, really, if you're not doing this stuff? And, you know, we see it all the time with people in the challenge too. You know, they come in and do the challenge and think that they're okay. Then they go back out and drink because they're not working their program. Yeah, you've got to stick at it, people, and and keep, look, even if it just comes, you know, some basics. You know, so Ash and I, at the risk of being, you know, on repeat here, but we had <clears throat> our musts, and that was a very important, our musts of what we must do every day, and that was gratitude and listening for me. It was listening to Wayne or listening to someone amazing, moving our bodies. You know, we had different, and our IMs, like, you know, positive affirmations and you know, working on the head stuff and really digging in. We really do. And fuck yeah, because I got to the end of that year and thought, no way, I'm not going back to that old friggin' no way. She was a sad sack, that chick. <laughs> she was a negative Nelly. And so it was never. And she was really bitchy when she drank. <laughs> oh, she was a bitch. What a mole. What a just outright mole. Oh, but, especially. Um, yeah. I- yeah, like because I always say as well, you know, I don't have a, a drinking problem, I have a thinking problem. Mm. And so and exactly like we talked about earlier um, at the start of this episode, you know, that like it's the thinking starts to go haywire and when that starts to go, you know, pear-shaped, then everything out that's, you know, it goes downhill from there. Mm. So if my thinking is the problem, and because my thinking is the problem, I get ratting in my head and I, and like I said, life starts to get prickly. My solution to that is to drink, to numb mm. out from it. So the, the drinking was the solution to my living problem. I didn't know how to live life without the booze. And so that was my solution. So if my thinking is the problem, well, then that's what I've got to work on, right? Like if I... Mm. I think if I'm, you know, if I can't control what goes on in my head or not not control, that's not a good way to put it. If I am getting, you know, ratty in my head, I'm getting resentful, I'm living in fear, I'm, you know, sitting in self-pity, like, and I'm getting prickly and life is fucking shitting me all because of the way that I'm thinking, then I need to work on how I think. I need to work on my attitude. I need to work on my you know, the way I view life exactly as we said at the start. And we we often also say in AA, I know I've used a lot of AA references, but again, it can be applied to whatever program you use. But we often say that AA stands for altered attitude, you know, and that's exactly what you need. You've got to like alter your attitude. You've got to, yeah, have a profound alteration to the way that you make some big fucking changes, make some big changes. But it's not just the, the, um, changing your thinking I mean that's obviously super important and there has to be a big radical shift there but it's also developing ways in order to hold your pain without soothing from externals you know and that's so important it's all about relearning isn't it and externals doesn't even have to be alcohol it can be like trying to like to be loved or to be admired or to have material possessions or any ways in which yeah. We're sort of looking for validation or to feel better, but always reaching out there, mm. not in here. So mm. for me, this journey is really about trying to find that within ourselves, to soothe that within ourselves, because as long as we're going outwards, we're giving it, firstly, we're giving our power away, but we're relying on someone else or something else to make us feel better. But the answer is totally. always within us. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that um, 
uh, again, drawing back to that Wayne Dyer, you know, change your thoughts, change your life. I think most mm. of us have got that the wrong way around. We think that if we change our life, then our thoughts will get better. True. You know? Yep. Yep. If yep. I just get this better job, then I'll be happier. Or if I just, you know, oh, find this bigger dream, house. Yeah, find the dream husband, then I'll be, you know, I did that all the time when I was drinking, you know, like, yeah, just constantly searching for these outside things that may or may not ever happen. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any control over that. Like, well, mm. I mean, I do in, in, you know, to a certain extent, but like it's like you, you're constantly searching for these external things in, and thinking that, oh, my thinking will get better once I have these these things in my life or once these things in my life change. And it's the wrong way around. You've got to change your thoughts in order to for your life to change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a big lesson in that, isn't it? Totally. It's huge. Yeah, amazing. Amazing chat, darling. This is the sort of stuff that I, you know, that we get taught in this, you know, you teach the the challenge groups to do and that I get taught through the AA program is about changing all this stuff and doing things differently and, you know, and I've got to put, but I've got to put it into my everyday life. I've got to practice this, as it says, practice these principles in all my affairs. I've got to do it every single day. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. And like I said, like in the challenge group, we can't make people do the stuff. I cannot make, I can talk to them blue in the face and it's not going to help if someone's not actually going to put the stuff into action. And tell you what, this current group at the moment, oh my God, I'm so deeply in love with all of them. Freaking hell, they are showing up, they're doing it, they're freaking being vulnerable. They're just beautiful. Like what a beautiful bunch. I mean, every group, I feel the same. Yeah in love with every single person yeah, in there amazing. but I think also just really quickly there's two there's two other key things it's like we've talked a lot today about having a program and and you know working your program whatever that looks like for you but it's not only working it but it's you've got to make it a priority yes you've got to make it number one fucking priority in your life and this is what a lot of people don't understand as well they're always like and especially mums, they, you know, like, oh, I've got to do for this for the kids and I feel bad if I'm not with the family and da 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 And, you know, dads do it too and other people. And But, you know, we're always, you know, we're too busy with work or we've got this. It's like, no, you need to make this shit a priority. This needs to be your number one priority. And I always, mm-hmm. you know, I know that if I don't prioritise my uh, recovery and if I don't put this stuff first, I don't have anything else. If I go back to drinking because I haven't prioritised my recovery, it's only a matter of time before I lose my job. I have before in the past. It, it will happen again without a doubt. It's only a matter of time before I probably have some kind of car accident because I was chronic drink driving when I was um, when I was drinking. You know, if I don't have a job and I, I can't hold down a job, I'll probably lose my house. You know, like I don't have all of it. I wouldn't be able to hold down a relationship. That's for sure. I mean, I don't have a relationship at the moment anyway, but that's aside the for Any dudes listening? You <laughs> any, want an awesome sober chief? <laughs> or women. But, you know, whatever, oh, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but you know what I mean? Like I can't, I've got no chance at keeping all of those things together if I'm drinking again. So I have to make my recovery my number one priority in my life. Yeah. Otherwise I don't have all of this other stuff. Yeah. I think that's um, a really key message. And I think on top of, mm. on top of having your program, um, I really, really, really believe it's so important as well to have your sober gang 
And, you know, whether it's the fellowship in AA, whether it's the beautiful community that we've created in How I Quit Alcohol, whether it's your own community, there's so many, you know, Facebook groups and there's Cuppa that Victoria Vanstone runs that has all sorts of groups in there. Like there's so many ways. Intoxicated. Intoxicated. There's so many ways to get connected with sober, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in sober communities these days. Like we're really lucky that we live in 2022 and we have all of these options, you know, we don't live in the 1930s where, you know. (laughs) Well, when you only had bloody AA, you know, and all I had was Ash and Scott and Claire. Right. I mean, I love them. but Right. (laughs) No, I'm actually very grateful for them. But, yes, yes, you know. You've got to have a sober gang around you. You've got to have a sober community. You've got to have people that you can, um, you know, you can go and do activities with and meet up with and and do do stuff outside mm-hmm. of your normal circle, especially if your normal circle are drinkers, you know, like it's really, really important, I think, to to create that community and new contacts and new um mm-hmm. new friends that are sober as well. Yeah. And just organizing stuff like you've got with the grads group, you've got that beautiful little weekend getaway you're all having down at Hepburn Springs, Victoria. Yeah. And I've been on Ash's tour jumping in and going with him when I can and meeting up with different people in our grads group. Um, next weekend we're going to Melbourne. He's doing the Thornbury Theatre and I'm catching up with Greg, the Booze Free yeah. Dad, hopefully. And it's just great. You know, you just sort of make these communities and you can, you know, meet people, organise it. That couple of months ago when we had that brunch in Brisbane, it was so fun. It was so good to catch up with all of those girls you know, from the graduates group where there was people there that we'd never met face-to-face. We've only ever seen them no. over Zoom and it was so cool to be in person yeah. and give them a, give them a real hug. And um, mm. we had a dinner in Melbourne recently as well and the same thing. It was so, And we, we had that dinner in Melbourne a couple of months ago and we were the loudest people in the restaurant laughing and cackling away like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we were the only people in the restaurant, but well, no, there was, there was other exactly. people there. It was only fairly small, but there was other I people know. there. But I could have sworn that you know anybody else sitting in that restaurant would have all thought that we were all like you know drunkards. Yeah, <laughs> and actually after that dinner, Michelle French and I went back to the Airbnb that I was staying at because she had to she had a few hours to kill before she had to pick up her son from the airport, and we did a bit of a photo shoot with the yeah. mocktails we were drinking. Yeah. It's just like we're pissing ourselves, and she goes, "God, I feel like I'm drunk." Like, you know so you know it's great it's great to be connected it's great to have fun still and bring the joy in and but yeah most importantly is thinking about okay how is my how how does this look for me how can I create my own program can what am I doing day to day to kind of keep me on track and stay there because we want to stay there that's the key you want to keep feeling good and just notice if you're starting to negotiate with yourself to not do the things that you've set yourself up for, or if you're in a particular program and you're not doing those things, notice and then get yourself back on track really quickly. And you might just save yourself a whole lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic, darling. Well, thank you for having me on today. Um, this is a topic that is I feel very passionately about because I just see it so often, uh, you know, both at AA and also within the How I Quit Alcohol community where, you know, people come and they sort of do this stuff and they don't stick to it and they go back out and drink and, um, you know, it never ends well. There's some of them that do come back to us, which is amazing, and they Mm -hmm. always come back and say that the drinking never got any better. It wasn't any better and that's why they're back. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no one's ever went, yes, I started drinking and 
I'm so fucking stoked about it. Like no. later on, you know, even <laughs> yeah. if it takes a while. And, you know, and just also wanted to mention too that you're also like if anyone wants to contact you, you're also doing your own coaching. You're mm-hmm. doing amazing coaching with people. You're starting up a relapse program for people that may have relapsed and want to do sort of a really intensive four-week program. They can do that with you. And if anyone's interested yeah. in that or wants to reach out to you for coaching, just go to well what's it's the sobriety gym the sobriety gym on instagram yeah or the sobriety gym at gmail.com amazing and i'll also put notes in the i'll also put links in the show notes so if anyone wants to contact you they can particularly about those programs i think that your relapse program's amazing i had a good read of it recently i think it's it's beautiful it's wonderful and yeah what a great thing to offer yeah, because you've lived of, it, you know. Yeah. I've never had a relapse, um, other than when I first started, but not when I was deep in this, you know. Like when I years ago, I'd go, oh, "I'm not going to drink," and it'd last a few months, and then I'd be back to it again. But I've never actually had a full relapse. I've never even had a drink again from when yeah. I said that I was going to take twelve months off. So that's why I think if someone's relapsed, it's relapsed, you're a great go-to because you've done it and you've got out of it and you've done the work but I would say if anyone's going to contact you be prepared to do the fucking work (laughs) do the fucking work and don't fucking drink um (laughs) do the fucking work don't fucking drink exactly yeah (laughs) look I I think um I sort of designed that relapse program around well you know obviously it's just it happens right you know we're not perfect and even even in AA terms you know it says in the book that we're not striving for perfection we you know we're striving for progress and um Mm. and it does happen you know it happens and sometimes Mm. this is not I'm not advocating relapse but sometimes like in in my situation that relapse um nearly two years ago you know it turned out to be quite possibly the best thing that's ever happened to me so Mm -hmm. sometimes it can actually be a really good thing Again, not advocating relapse. Don't go out there and drink, people. Just don't fucking drink. But, um, but you know, it's about it. You know, if you can use it as a learning opportunity, then yeah, it's um, you know, it can be a really good thing. And uh, absolutely acknowledging that this shit is, you know, this shit's hard. It's mm. you know, it is hard, and um, it doesn't have to be hard. I realized also after that last relapse that I was just making my recovery more difficult than it needed to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was another mindset shift that I needed to have. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it can be fucking scary as shit, like I talked about earlier, you mm. know, it's a big change and um, and relapse does happen. So it can you can always get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. I love your honesty and your commitment it's amazing and I think if you have relapsed it's a sign if something's up something's wrong you know and there's something to learn from it so never be hard on yourself if anything thank it thank that whole situation and be like wow okay I've got an opportunity here to to learn more about myself and any suffering that we encounter in life really is a sign that you know we're not able to hold ourselves enough and so we're going to work on that this yeah. is key, people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about learning to hold yourself, learning to have that create a safe container, I guess, for yourself and get yourself uh-huh. through this, the the pain like we talked about earlier or what's uncomfortable, but realizing that it's endurable and it won't last forever. Mm, Just remember that. 
yeah, if two shall pass. If two shall pass. You know, I, I had a conversation with a, one of my friends in the fellowship about this recently, that that, that saying, and it's a typical AA, there's a lot of like one-liners in AA and that this two shall pass is one of the one of the one-liners that you hear all the time. And, and I feel like that for me has been one of the most profound statements that I've kind of incorporated into my life because I didn't, I did when I was drinking, I didn't have the capacity to look at situations like that. Like if something bad happened or, you know, like, I don't know, like whatever, like lost a job, not that I lost many jobs, but anyway, lost a job or I broke up with a boyfriend or, you know, something that, that had a big, you know, caused a big emotional response. I just completely catastrophized the situation. And it was all about like, oh my God, you know, I'm not going to be able to cope. This is the worst, blah, blah, blah. Like I didn't, I couldn't just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to sit and I'm going to, you know, work through this. Yes, this is painful and I'm going to work through it and I'm going to sit with it and I'm going to hold myself here and it will pass. Like I just didn't have that capacity to think about this will pass at some point, you know. I mean, imagine if you had been able to say that to yourself, which really, I mean, what profound words to speak over yourself when you're having a hard time that, yes, I can hold, I can hold myself through this and I will and it won't it will pass right imagine the outcome how differently you would have come out of that totally Mm -hmm. totally this too shall pass it will you know the bad times always pass the good times always pass too so it's you know you've got to look at it in Mm. that respect as well it's like you want to have really good times in your life but they're going to pass too you know yeah there's there's going to be dullness as well there'll be those moments and I think that kind of (laughs) that flatlining sometimes can freak people out as well but it's just there's so much there's all this in life that's the dynamics of life isn't it there's good there's bad there's boring and but just being able to be present for all of it and feel into all the all of those situations is a beautiful gift we don't need to be on a high all the time no and your husband actually spoke to that really well in um uh, a while ago with one of the challenge groups where we were talking about those highs and the lows and you know when when typically when we're drinking we're always chasing those highs you know like and it's always rah 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 and we want this excitement and we want you know da, 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 mm-hmm. but at the same time then we crash as well and the and the lows are really quite low and what you typically find in sobriety especially if you start to work on all this stuff and you know um incorporate some spirituality and and working on your you know doing some healing and all that sort of stuff what you find is that the, that that line that used to have really big high peaks and really low dips kind of does flatline a bit. You know, there will mm. be, it still is a bit of a worm, you know, there'll still be like mm. ups and downs, but it just won't be the real extremes of the ups and downs. And like you say, some people get a bit freaked out about that because they feel like life's kind of a bit dull. But the way Ash talked about that is, yeah, okay, the, those highs and lows might not be as high and as low. It might be a little bit more flat, but what's happening at the same time is your baseline happiness is getting higher, mm. you know, mm. it's increasing your baseline happiness over time when you're, you know, you're not in those constant. But that so was really true. awesome. He, he spoke to that really well. And, Love that guy. Um, 
Yeah, I <laughs> love that guy for sure. So good, isn't he? I know, but it's so true, you know. It's like it does, like, yeah, my my life is not full of the wild highs and lows that it used to be, but, man, I'm fucking way happier than, a, like, a gazillion mm. times happier than I used to be. You know? Yes, I agree too. Yeah, because I think in some ways I was almost addicted to the mm. highs and the lows, like, you know, loving the high, but in some regards loving the low. I think I always loved a bit of drama too. So, totally. you know, I guess they're addicted to the emotional highs and lows of things and, you know, getting rid of that as well. You know, I was a real addict for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Get rid of getting rid of that and having this stability, which is what I need. Cause I've talked about that in the groups before too, because having a bit of a lot of instability in childhood from, you know, mum's addictions, I actually, what I needed was stability, even though I'm drawn to, up, down, up, down. That's exciting for me. It's what I'm used to. That was the pattern, but it's not what I need. Yeah. I need solid, you know, so yeah, it's so true. Um, All right, darling, thank you so much. Before you go, what are you feeling right now? (laughs) Um, I'm feeling very happy and um, grateful. Happy and grateful. Pretty peaceful. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Thanks, darling. I'll see you in the call on Sunday. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel really grateful to be able to come on the podcast again and and uh, talk to your audience. Love you so much. I'm really also really grateful to have you, to be able to call you one of my best friends and, and be on this journey with you. It's amazing. Likewise, darling, right back at you, big time. Thank you, sweetheart. And, again, if anyone wants to reach out to Lyndall, head to my show notes and get in contact typically particularly if you've had relapse and you want to perhaps dig deep with someone that's not going to pull any punches. (laughs) Do the fucking work and don't fucking drink. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, love you, darling. Speak to you later. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.